Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. All right, welcome to the, the podcast. Um, today's guest is John Sherman. And super stoked to have him. He's a friend of mine. He's actually uh, real instrumental in helping me get my fly shop started um, way back when, which I want to talk about. Welcome to the podcast, John. Awesome, guys. Stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, I was talking to my mom this morning and um, drinking coffee, and she's all, um, so what are you doing? I'm, I'm doing a podcast with a guy named John Sherman. and. And she says, uh, who's that? And I go, well, mom, do you remember when you went to uh, Tahoe Fly Fishing uh, Outfitters, you know, way back when? And you walked in the store and you talked to a guy named, I think, Victor Babbitt. And she's all, yeah. And she's all, I go, well, you, that Victor Babbitt, um, well, you, you told him that um, your son was starting a fly shop. You know, this is like 20 years ago or something. And... Uh, he said that if he's starting a fly shop, he needs to contact a guy named Jamie Lyle. And, um, and so my mom told me that I think I contacted Jamie Lyle and then he sent, I think he sent you, right? I think actually the first time we met was out at, uh, IFTD, the fly tackle dealer show. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think we, we met first out there. Um, you were just going to, you were just about to open the shop. I think we had an appointment set up and and we, we kind of like, uh, we went through a number of, of the brands that we worked with Uh at the time. And then it was like a couple months later, I, I drove down and met with you and that's when we met in the shop. Okay. Yeah. Your memory is much better. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, uh, over the years, you know, you've kind of, you've helped me, you know, in the direction of, you know, what to, what to buy and what to get and just, you know, what's going on out there and, and, uh, in the fly fishing world for sure. Um, I remember when you first walked in <laughs> the shop, you know, I didn't have anything right. and you're like looking at my fly display and you're like, Oh, it's <laughs> 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 like nothing in there, you know? And you're just like, Oh my God, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, which I didn't. Oh, dude, it's so cool. Just to be, you know, going back to that time. I mean, I was a new rep. I'd only been doing yeah. it for, you know, three years working with Jamie or so. And to see what your store has become, you know, it's pretty freaking awesome. You Thanks, know, man. There's, there's a lot of them that started around that time that are no longer here and to see where you know where your store has gone and grown and the community that you've built um it's it's Thanks. pretty 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 cool man thank awesome. you man um yeah it's been a it's been up and down you know like any business but uh i've learned a lot met some of great friends um great fishing friends um and that sort of thing you being one of those um so I guess uh, I just want to start out like because um, a lot of people don't know your history and stuff. But let's talk about like how you got into fly fishing, you know, and that sort of thing. Real sure. Quick. Yeah. I um, let's see. So I started fishing when I was three. Like, uh, in my my mom was uh, from North Carolina. My dad was from Colorado, and we went back east, and um, that was my first exposure fishing was fishing bait for catfish um and totally dug it i was bummed because i couldn't bring them back home with me so i got some some pictures uh of that first stringer catfish i caught and then we, when i grew up in visalia california central cal not too far from where your store is and um and when i was eight years old my parents bought a uh, cabin up in three rivers so um right on the Kauia river 
and we would every single weekend my parents were kind of workaholics uh, they were in the real estate and mortgage business so they were super busy people so on the weekends we would go up to three rivers there was no cell phone up there there was no tv and we just basically every weekend would go up and just be one with nature and the river and fishing was became my passion then first with the uh, spinning rods and then at the age of 10 or I actually was at the age of eight I, I took a fly casting lesson from buzz's fly shop and uh did some did some tying learned learned that whole component there and so um, that kind of established, you know, if it wasn't for the fly shop and something that I, I hold dear today, like specialty fly shops are, are the key to, um, you know, bringing new people into the sport. And um, that that was my first exposure. And then um, I would do a little bit of both, a little bit of fly, a little spin fishing through, um, you know, junior high. I was a... Um, uh, I was a basketball player. That was like one of my, that was my kind of passion, my sport through high school. So I did that a ton. So I'd kind of juggle fishing and, 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 and basketball. And then at the, by the end of my high school um, career in, in basketball, I probably could have played j- junior college, but I was pretty burnt out that time. And I, and I was, I'm like, dude, I'm going all in on fishing at that point. And then Larry Goats, who I know, you know, yeah. um, he was, he, he kind of took me under his wing um, through my high school years and, into college and when we were looking at four-year schools um, I came in and I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do I kind of stuck around in Visalia uh, because of a girl and uh, went to junior college there for a couple of years at COS and then um, realized okay I, I need to move on in, in my life and um, I went into uh, I went into Buzz's shop with the topo map and or you know one of those uh, those atlas remember those big yeah. green yeah. green map books yeah and we were looking around at colleges and stuff uh-huh. he's like what about chico state and i'm like huh what, let's go look up there so we literally looked at where chico was uh-huh. all the rivers that were uh-huh. nearby and i'm like man that looks like a f- awesome place to go to school it uh-huh. had a good business college so i could sell my mom on that uh-huh. and uh yeah so i i went to uh yeah i went to chico state um, was there for four years. Started that kind of got me into the the fishing business. I was t- teaching fly casting through high school and into uh, junior college. I became a certified fly casting instructor at the age of seventeen. Um, so and that was super cool. So I did a little bit of that on the side. Um, I was writing for the Visalia Times Delta uh-huh. uh, as the fishing columnist. <laughs> so I've got some uh, some awesome. some pictures. Uh, you know, I've got some articles from from way back then and. Um, and then ended up uh, kind of still writing for the Visalia Times Delta, even though I was up in Chico. Mm-hmm. And then um, the the, uh, the local fly shop there, which was Powell Fly Shop, um, they, yeah. they were trying to, they really wanted to hire me. I didn't know that I really wanted to work retail, but but I, I signed on and um, worked for Powell Fly Shop for three years, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, were you guiding out of that too? I was, yeah. yeah. I did some guiding on the side. Um, I was doing 15 to 20 days a year. Like steelhead or? Uh, yeah, steelhead uh-huh. on the on the feather and oh, cool. lower sack rainbows. That was uh-huh. kind of the two things that I did. But I didn't guide that much, man. Yeah. I, I was, I, I like the rod in my hands. <laughs> and uh, Still to this day, I, yes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I mean, I, I love teaching people. Um, I love yeah. that component of it, getting new people in the sport. But um, that I could tell early on, like, guiding was not my calling um and so yeah i did that through um through college and then um pal um actually charles schwab uh bought pal rod company at the time so the investment broker bought the rod company and um they they ended up uh so there was pal fly shop and pal rod company they bought the rod company and then a guy by the name of keith bryan 
uh, and Kerry Caravalis were sent in by Charles Schwab to, to take over the, the fly rod business. And so, um, they hired me. And so I was my senior year of college. I was actually working for the rod company, no longer working in the fly shop. And then when I graduated, I moved to Rancho Cordova where they moved the rod company to. So I started with Powell Rod Company, uh, right out of college. I never really thought that, you know, would, I always kind of had this idea that I was going to be, on wall street or some business other than than fishing but as, as i got into it i quickly realized that this was my calling and this is what i was going to do so were you selling rods for them so or? i started uh in-house sales and marketing so i was kind of in-house sales guy so i was working the shows i was helping other reps i was traveling uh, the country to do different demo days i was mm. helping on the marketing side so um, i got a degree in marketing from chico state so marketing was i, I kind of felt uh, passionate about that and then um, after working for Powell for about a year, um, Jamie Lyle had, was looking to hire a sub rep and needed some help in the territory. And I had met Jamie, uh, gosh, back when I was like 16 at Buzz's and um, was way into casting. And I was a Sage fan already. And I was like, man, that is my dream job like, to, work <laughs> with, uh, to work with someone I totally admired, mm -hmm. totally respected. And um, yeah, so I was hired by Jamie in... Um, 2000 may of 2000 and that started my my repping career i was just starting to hit the road with pal like i could see myself getting into the repping side of things um but when jamie uh, when that position with jamie came aboard i was like oh that i mean i just knew that was jumped on that, that was mine you know yeah. and um so <laughs> did he ask you or how did that go down you know uh I, I had heard that he was looking um i know he had interviewed a few people and um and then he and i started having discussions like i, I kind of reached out and said hey that's something i might be interested in and then then we went through like an interview process and um yeah the rest is kind of history so then i moved from sacramento up to uh, up to Truckee. so i lived in Truckee for three years so i'd been in the valley my whole life and shoveling snow and scraping ice and and <laughs> being in the arctic of uh, that part of the world um, yeah. that wasn't really my thing i lived there for three years um and then ended up uh, i was dating my wife my girlfriend at the time uh nati and she was we met in chico and she was working for wells fargo in the bay area and so we were doing the long distance thing and then we were kind of trying to you know figure out what we were going to do in our relationship and we ended up um nati actually found discovery bay um she was driving in that area and i'm like there's no way i'm gonna live in the bay but well, you can get me kind of close there i'll see what we could do and um right. and i had fished the delta back in the the early 90s and and was kind of passionate about that type of fishing yeah and so um yeah we checked out discovery bay rented a rented a place there uh for a year and, and then bought our first home together and a few years later got married so yeah yeah, yeah pretty crazy isn't it interesting like the the path that life takes you and then like you know me having a fly shop and then you know building the business and the culture there in you know kernville but also like how you moved to discovery bay and you know i i probably would have never fished there if i didn't um know you you know and and then you know we'll get into the the coast of bass and fly and all that too but you know that that whole thing getting that going and all that stuff too you know that's pretty it's pretty crazy how that yeah. works out, isn't it? Life just takes you on journeys, yeah. and uh, you, you never know which way it's going to go. And it, you know, I guess all things happen for a reason, and it um, it worked yeah. out great. We we absolutely love uh, Discovery Bay where we live, and um, and it was her just going. I think you'll like it here. You know, I'm not a big city guy. Like uh, you know, Visalia was a town of 100,000 people. Chico, I think, is 80. 
then I moved to Sacramento and it was, you know, I guess the whole community, yeah. the, you know, surrounding areas over a million. And, um, when I graduated from college, um, my, my best friend, Rick Rogers had, had, um, the year prior, I met him, uh, he was working at the rod company when I worked at the fly shop. And when he graduated from college, he spent two months in New Zealand, just basically being a trout bum there. And so he kind of instilled in me, like, when you graduate from college, you got to do this like mm -hmm. trip of a lifetime. And so I had kind of laid that all out for the power rod company at the time. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, I'm, when I graduate from college, I'm, I'm going to spend two months in British Columbia. Oh, that's right. You told and me so, that. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. So I basically, you know, I was, you know, super passionate about steelhead, um, anadromous fish in general. And that trip just totally changed my life. And, and, um, that was, yeah, it was basically a, a, you know, broke college kid. Um, you sleep in your truck and slept in the truck. Sleep. Yeah. Got some hotels, uh, yeah. put, put a couple helicopter flights onto my credit card to, <laughs> to fly into different, no uh, different rivers and floated all the famed rivers in BC. And, uh -huh. um, and that and it happened to be a really good year. There was a ton of fish around and it was just like a life changing Epic. experience. Yeah. So now both of our kids are named after BC. So that, that all came, came full circle. And, uh, that, but that trip was, it was incredible. So that, K that, that changed my K6 life. K6 and Calum, right? That's Cassocks and Cassocks. Okay. Yeah. Cassocks yeah. and Calum. Yeah, yep. who's uh, who's turned into looks like a pretty good uh, fly fisherman himself. Huh? Yeah, yeah. My son, uh, both both kids fish. Uh, my son, who is now eleven, like he's he's pretty passionate about it. Um, he loves snowboarding. I mean, yeah, he's a stud snowboarder too. Yeah, right? he's way into <laughs> snowboarding. And then he, um, yeah, he he's uh, he just took the the fish camp uh, from the fly shop, the kids camp up there, and spent a week doing that. And he's he and I did a trip to Alaska last year, so he's he's definitely got the buzz to it. Yeah, totally. So Buzz's fly shop was that uh, i don't know if i heard this correctly was that like one of the first fly shops in cali that's right yeah, yeah. buzz busick busick um started buzz's fly shop like in the 50s and okay. so that was like yeah literally one of the first fly shops in in uh, the country um definitely one of the first in california and they were you know buzz was uh one of the first in the country yeah oh. yeah, yeah it was kind of yeah wow. yeah it was yeah definitely one of the first there and then they um they had they had a ton of tying materials and they were kind of known. Buzz was a, a super talented angler, and they and were fly tire, right? And fly tire, yeah. yeah. The Western Coachman's his pattern. Oh, was it? Yeah, I and uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah, just a ton of history there with that store. And then when Buzz died, his his son-in-law took it over, um, a guy by the name of Mickey Powell, and uh, so that was kind of the era that I I got involved in. Um, you know, going into the store in the '90s, Mickey was there, and then Larry was hired on by Mickey to be his manager. And Larry was 10, 12 years older than me, and he, he kind of became one of my mentors in, in the fly fishing side. Is uh, Mickey Powell Powell Fly Rods? No. It's not. No. Oh, okay. No, no just right. coincidence, the same. So same Powell Fly same. Rods is... is, is that, was, that was the Powell family. So um, there was... Um, it's, it's a whole generation. There was E.C. Powell, uh, Walton Powell, which is his son. And then Press Powell, who is the grandson of uh, E.C. Powell. He's the one that own the shop um all, unfortunately all three have passed away but um that was just a family tradition of building rods in in chico california yeah so i wanted to talk about travel um with yeah. you i i i think it's a year ago i went on a trip with you to um lake Bacharach in mexico and one of the things I noticed about you and going traveling is how comfortable you are. <laughs> one is because you travel, you've traveled all over the world, fly fishing and, and doing photography and stuff too. 
but you know, I was, it was kind of like, you know, my first trip deep into, into Mexico, you know, <laughs> cartel country, you know? And so I was a little, a little nervous, you know, and, and all that. And, you know, it was funny, like, uh, you know, when we got there, um, when we flew into, where did we fly into? It was, uh, uh, we were in Sinaloa. Sinaloa. We, yeah. yeah. Sinaloa. Yeah. So, which is like, you know, kind of known as like, you know, not, not the best place, you know, cartel country and all that. And we get off the plane and we're, we're in the Sinaloa airport and, you know, dudes are with the AK 47s. I'm assuming that's yep. the gun they had, you know, and they're, you know, it's just like a whole different thing going on. And this one dude, I don't know if you remember this, but we're going through the line and this one dude with the machine gun or you know, AK 47 <laughs> or whatever is like looking at me the whole time. And he just won't take his eyes off me as I'm going through the zigzag line and everything. And then as soon as I get to the front of the line, he points at me and, then they like search my whole bag. Yeah, I don't I know if you remember that. that. I like totally remember every that. inch of my bag, you know, like I'm going to bring something into Mexico, yeah. you know, or something. Anyway, that was my first experience into Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> that was your first time to Mexico ever? Um, no, I've been to Mexico yeah. before, okay. but like not yeah, yeah. that deep. Yeah, in, you gotcha. know, yes. I've been to like, you know, surfing and stuff. Down yeah, yeah. Gotcha. South of San Diego or whatever. But gotcha. that was, uh, that was crazy. And then, um, I just think, the, you know, when it comes to being comfortable in those weird, yeah. You know, those, those spots. I mean, a lot of it's through experience, you know, yeah. I've, um, I've traveled to the Russian Far East. Yeah, I've been, yeah. I've right. been on the, uh, I've been on a, a train, um, a Siberian train for 26 hours with, yeah. uh, one other friend and no one speaking Russian. And I've been in some pretty crazy spots, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and I find that I think we all get, especially, you know, Americans who we watch a lot of TV, a lot of media. And so you, you kind of, you kind of hear all the horrors and, you know, the stuff that makes the news isn't necessarily the reality of what what actually happens in these places yeah, so yeah. i kind of like I, I went to i did a, a photo shoot for fly fisherman magazine in 2010 in cuba oh yeah that's when cuba was completely shut down americans were not supposed to go there they had this whole you know you had to fly through mexico in order to get there and i i was i literally had you know all my camera equipment for the photo shoot and i was like interrogated by the the cuban um you know the officers there yeah. the, the police officers there and they pulled me aside and went through all my camera gear and it was like an hour later and they're just like and they finally just let me go but i mean i've been in some pretty precarious places yeah. and oh. it just uh through experience you just keep your head keep cool and you know most yeah, you're so comfortable. I was just like, oh, he's so he seems like he's just so comfortable. <laughs> Gets on the band, cracks a beer, <laughs> off we go. <laughs> and I was like, okay, and then, you know. But uh, that was that was a great trip, and uh, you know, just just being there at that lake and those giant bass, um, uh, Florida strain bass, and um, you know, trying to focus on you know catching a, a double digit, which I think you did, and yeah. got a. a Ten pounder, yeah, least, yeah, you know, yeah. Which I happened to be on the boat at yeah, the same dude, time, was, which was like pure stoke, just yeah. just to see you catch that. But I mean that that trip is is pretty amazing at the size of those fish and um, how hard they pull, yeah, and how fun that was. Um, I, I I think I lost weight on that. Trip. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things on that trip that was so funny was like you know I like to eat all day you oh, know, yeah. to keep my energy going i think yeah, i was yeah. telling you this when we were on the trip i'm like yeah. dude i'm starving man <laughs> <laughs> we'd be we'd get up at you know five and then you know eat like a small breakfast or whatever and then we'd be it wouldn't be till like 12 or one that we they'd feed us again um they bring a boat out with like grub and uh and then we'd eat that and then we wouldn't we'd be out fishing until 
almost dark, I think, you know, and then uh, we didn't eat, you know, until like late that <laughs> night. And I was oh, like, oh, my God. Um, I did get sick um, one one day, though, too. Cause I, oh, you did? Yeah, I remember I, 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 when you're on that trip, you know, you're eating so much um, – so much salt. Salt and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. We got to talk about the Kinkle Brothers. Kinkle Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, which happened to me again. I'm going to tell you about that. But um, so, um, you know, there's so much salt and all this kind of stuff. And I was like craving like vegetables or, yeah. you know, something. And then they, yep. they put out a salad on there. And I just inhaled that salad, man. And I didn't even think about like, you know, them washing it with yeah, their water. Yeah. I got. I got the Montezuma. It was pretty bad, you know. I was way out on the lake too. Oh no! I'm all lodge. Go back to the lodge, man. And, and they met me down at the water with a van, you know. And I was just hurting, but anyways, I pulled it off. Um, but yeah, so um, I just recently went to Ishlac, Mexico, and I was thinking about you because I got the the swollen ankles yeah. again there, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, like you and I, when we were in Mexico, we both got it really bad. I don't think anybody else did right yeah i think everybody i mean i think alex had a little bit only, but you and i yeah we were, <laughs> we're the cankle brothers for we're sure. trying to keep we're our just, feet elevated totally <laughs> what do you think that's from is that just like you know too uh, much beer and not enough water or <laughs> yeah there's definitely that i think i think it's all the salt for sure um it's st it still happens to me like even you know if i'm standing all day even in the delta eating oh, what did, i do like I, i'll get a little bit of that a little bit of swelling i think that's I did just, that too like uh at the bass and fly i got a little bit of it yeah i yeah. think uh as we get older, I think uh, <laughs> that stuff starts to happen a little bit more. I, ne I never had it. I mean, I, I'm a cancer survivor. And yeah. after after that is when I started noticing the, the swelling. So I don't know if there's something from from that whole component of my, you know, my journey that that causes that. But I, I think it's yeah, all the sodium and the food. Yeah. I think it's, you know, you're standing on your feet for, for a long time. 14 hours, you know throughout the day and then all that blood's just gonna you know pull down in your feet a little bit more so i think and and as we get older i think it happens more often <laughs> <laughs> so you went back again from what i understand I did, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was more top water so yeah I, I that was my uh when you and i went that was my second trip and then i went back in december it was a sims sales contest that we happened to win and then oh, uh, sweet. I, yeah I, they they uh, took us down for that and the uh the fishing was was really challenging like it was oh. it, it, our, the, the trip we had the, the first trip we went on the fishing was out of this world and then the one you and i went on i would say it was probably half as good even though it was phenomenal fishing yeah and i'd say this next trip the following december was probably half as good as that mm -hmm. um but the water is cooler then um they're more prone to eat top water um it's a yeah it's a great time to be there the lake's really green mostly full um, it's oh, just, cool. it's a totally different experience that time yeah. of the year, but it, it was really, the fishing was quite challenging and in, in those lakes, um, like I guess all bass lakes, they cycle, you know, where they're, mm -hmm. they're really, really good for four or five years. Mm -hmm. And then through, you know, I, th I just think nature's evolution. Also there's, you saw the amount of, uh, uh, gill netting that's happening for the tilapia in the lake. And it's there's a lot of, uh, a lot of bycatch from the, from the, um, from, you know, the anglers fishing for tilapia are catching a bunch of bass bycatch. So it's, yeah. uh, I think just through those cycles, the back racks, unfortunately trending the wrong direction right now. The, um, the other cool thing that was, that was really interesting to me on that trip was, you know, we'd be cruising along and then we'd see a, uh, 
a big old bass flopping on its side in the in the water, and you go over there, and it's got a a pretty good sized tilapia in its mouth, and he's like trying to swallow this thing. The the tilapia is still alive, yeah. and he's still alive, and then the guide will go over and separate the two, and they both swim off. You know, just totally. goes to show you how how big those bass get because of those fish. Absolutely, yeah. yeah the 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 peck. Uh the like their peck fins and their uh and their dorsal fin have those spikes so yeah. if they don't get it going down the right hatch the right way the, those those spikes will st- stick in the fish's mouth and then they basically they they drown themselves so while they're out there they can't can't suck in water and they yeah they yeah. end up dying so those those guys are always on the lookout for that a really cool technique that uh that i thought was pretty cool what we did when the, when the lake got really windy was um what was that, that uh, really cool guide that um, has he kind of gone on his own now? I don't know. Um, um, What's his name? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm forgetting his name. Darn it! He's really cool. He spoke spoke English pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, um, I w- I think we were with him, and uh, we we kind of we weren't fishing the shoreline, and he's all let's let's drift, you know, and so we go up to the top of a cove. And then we'd cast out our sinking lines and then just drift with the wind. And he would, you know, the fish are, the fish are at uh, 25 feet, you know, and you could see them. They're going to hit right about now. And all of a sure enough, boom, totally. you know, that was pretty cool. Totally. And you just drift over like some points under the water and stuff. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was, that, one of the fun things about going down there multiple times, you start to establish the relationships with the guides. They didn't yeah. really know much about fly fishing, but being yeah. down there multiple times, like that's a technique that we use in the Delta all the time time where yeah. we, we set up a wind drift cast right into the wind um yeah. mike costello kind of showed me that and how he how he does those drifts when it's super windy and then you know i went down there um oh my gosh i can't remember the guy's name it's driving me crazy but yeah. anyway yeah we just kind of showed him hey try this he yeah. had, he understood good english he understands that the boat positioning is different between a conventional angler and a fly angler yeah and we just started doing these yeah these drifts and it, it worked out i remember out really i remember well. coming back to the lodge the the kind of the lodge manager would be like, how'd you guys like thinking like that? We weren't, we didn't, we're going to do very good. And, right. um, um, we did good on, and he'd be like on the Mosca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's all shaking his head, you know, like yeah. he can't believe it. You know, totally. that totally. was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a fun trip. Yeah. It was a really it was cool time. trip. It was good crew. Fun, yeah. Fun group. And yeah, that was, that was a blast. I want to, I'd love to do that again sometime. Absolutely. Um, if it wasn't for you inviting me up, um, years ago to um, go fishing and then do like a sales, you, you were doing your sales presentation, but you invited me up to to go f- fishing, but also to, you know, do the sales, um, the sales rep thing as well. And, um, and then you took me out and, um, and I learned, learned uh, how to catch striper, which was amazing. And then, um, and then you set me up with a guy down there who just recently passed away. Yep. And um, that was pretty amazing, you know, to experience him and, and how he does things, too. You know, it's pretty cool. Totally. Yeah. Um, this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, 
Have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But uh, let's talk about the bass and fly right. just recently, yeah. which which you and your your good friend Rick yep. won. Um, I you know I I had never fished the bass and fly, and it was my first year fishing it, and. I, you know, got to, got to get set up with a guy I didn't know, which was really cool. And now we're friends, you know, and got to fish with, uh, Robert Tamson, Robert Tamson yeah. and, yeah. and who has like uh, a super fast boat. <laughs> 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 I don't think I've ever gone that fast on a boat ever. And, um, you know, he puts on his goggles. You, do you wear your goggles and stuff too? Or I, I don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, my boat goes pretty fast too, but I got a windshield so oh, I can kind of tuck, tuck Oh my it. God. And I mean, we've got to so many places so fast, you know, which is like part of the game, right? Yep, yep, yeah. For sure. And, um, so we fished, uh, a couple, a couple days, uh, prior and he's a, He's a uh, a striper guy, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're we're focusing on I, I think a lot of water that was like kind of striper water, and we weren't doing all that that great, you know. The first the first couple of days, I mean, we were catching a few here and there, and then um, the day of the tournament, he's I know we're uh, you know let's go to this one place and we we fished it early in the morning and and too we didn't get anything you know and i'm like oh man and so then i look i kind of look um to the right and there's this like old sunken like looks like a restaurant or a dock or something <laughs> like that yeah. and i'm like let's do let's go fish that stuff you yeah. know let's go in there and uh sure enough like within like five minutes boom he gets one you know nice one on top water and then uh, i get one on top water and then nice. by nine o'clock we had five yeah you know and we were like you know super <laughs> you know how it is you yeah, get all stoked yeah, you know totally. and we had five counters and we we're like oh dude and so like the rest of the day you know you're like trying to uh call them out and, and catch bigger ones you know which we, we caught a couple of bigger ones or whatever but it was just um you know trying to figure out the like where they're at what they're doing you guys got the tides that you have to worry about going in and out they'll be in one place at one time but they won't be there you know later on which is it's such a cool fishery man 
Yeah, it really is. The Delta, um, I, I've just, the more time I've spent there, so I've lived there for 20, yeah, 20 years now. Um, and it's, I fished it for the first time in the early 90s. Um, I read Dan Blanton's, uh, a couple of his articles and about doing like a houseboat trip up there. So me and some buddies went up there and did it. Didn't know anything about what we were doing, you know, but we went out there, caught a few fish, had a blast. And then when I moved there, um, Started learning a lot about the fishery, and it uh, it was so good back then, especially for stripers that you, you kind of stumble into them and have you know monsters, mo- good ones, lots of them. Like um, a good one is like fifty pounds or something. Uh, or their twenty pounder was, 20 was pounder, still a, okay. like a the benchmark, but it was phenomenal fishing. Um, but now, as the as the fishery has declined, it's become much more challenging, and the, you really need to figure out trends tides you know where they what they bite at what time and all that and the, the unlike stripers stripers if you find them more than likely you can get them to get them to bite you know but a, a large mouth is such a different animal especially those florida they, florida strain fish like yeah. they they have um they just have little windows that they feed so you need to understand what they're going to do at what time of the day and what tactic that they're into and um you know, on, from the Sims side of things, as the Sims rep out here, um, I've been on the boat with some of the best bass pros in the world as we've grown into the bass industry. So spending time with those guys For has sure. been really, really cool. And, the, you know, that's a multi-billion dollar industry where it's super competitive, um, tons of innovation. You know, you have, you can win the Bassmaster Classic and you're basically a millionaire after doing that. So right. it's, <laughs> there's a lot of money in, on, you know, at stake and there's a lot of innovation that's happened there. And I don't think, like on the fly side, there's tons of innovation happening. But when you you start throwing that kind of money at it, it pushes the envelope quicker. And so spending time with those guys and trying to understand. And um, one guy in particular, Bobby Barrick, um, who's kind of the known as the conventional god of the Delta. I, I mean, I, I probably have 30 days on the boat with him. Uh, we became friends, fished a, a, a ton together, and just kind of watching what he does, learning how what what he you know how he approaches the fishery. And he always called. Um, he always says there's a time throughout the day they calls it cuckoo time where for 30 minutes all you know they'll 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 eat anything and you got to understand when that window is going to happen and you know and a lot of times i, I don't think it happened during the bass and fly because we i mean we were grinding the entire time to, <laughs> yeah, to, to, get, our, about that. to get our five fish but <laughs> yeah. um it but there are times where i mean i've seen it where you can't do anything wrong and for you know 20 30 minutes i mean every big fish is eating and it's just this crazy little moments and that's kind of how those florida strain fish are they're they're super temperamental you could be doing everything right you know 95 percent of the day and you know that little five percent window is when it all goes down so it's pretty pretty cool well, i was talking about the 50 pounds i was talking about like stripers like yep. do they get up through that they heavy, do right yeah. yeah absolutely yeah but in, in the delta like uh i mean anytime you get one over 20 you know even back then you're pretty stoked um one. but yeah they i mean there are there are 50 pounders being caught that's every crazy. year for sure they're still they're out there uh, no doubt that's just a fish eating monster isn't yeah it? yeah they're uh, badass fish how cool is that though to have that in your in basically in your backyard yeah it's yeah. it's super special um you know we're fortunate where with the housing market crash in the you know mid 2009 2010 and that that window um we had, we had owned our house um in discovery bay and it was like I, I told my wife like it's now or never if we want to get on the water and being in discovery bay is an aquatic community you know like yeah. every 80 like percent of the homes have um their backyards on the delta so yeah. maybe not 80 60 percent but anyway yeah. we 
you know, we were just like, that was a dream of mine to have your boat in your backyard. Yeah. So we, uh, we were fortunate, right time, right place. Our, our other home was underwater, but we were like, <laughs> we were just like, okay, well, let's just make it happen. Let's, let's get yeah. uncomfortable with what we're putting put down and just, you know, so we got on the water in 2010 and, um, yeah, we're, we live in our dream location and we're, my boat is in the backyard and I can go out and, you know, what the cool thing is, is you can work all day. Um, so instead in the evening, instead of watching sports center or something, just hop on the boat and oh, get, yeah. a, get the, get a fix. Get, yeah. Get 45 minutes to an hour and right back on the dock. You know, have to worry about trailering and all that. It's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty cool. awesome. Let's talk about your, uh, if you don't mind, like your strategy on yeah. the bass and fly. Yep. I know that, um, me and Robert were, were fishing and, and, uh, you guys had gone somewhere and then you guys came cruising by us yep. and then, um, like you guys were in a, in a you know, a rush to get somewhere like fast, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like we're talking about your like strategy, like if you don't mind. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Um, we, uh, so, you know, early in the, in the morning, you're trying to get a good top water bite. You know, yeah. one of the cool things about the Delta is it's so shallow where we're approaching these fish, you know, they're, you know, we very rarely fish anything more than an intermediate line when we're fishing bass. So, um, we're trying to get a topwater bite and the topwater bite like during practice for us was pretty good. So we're like, all right, we're feeling pretty comfortable about it. Um, I had, I was traveling so much with sales meetings and work. Like, so I literally had, I had a day, I had about a day and a half of pre-fishing. So I kind of came in pretty blind to it. Um, but our pre-fishing day, we had good topwater fishing and we kind of tried to duplicate that. And it wasn't happening for us. Like really? we, were, we were just like, dude, we can't get bit. And when we were getting bit, it was just little snits. And we're just like, <laughs> dude, what is, what is going on? So we're, you know, the stress level starts just like building, right? You're just like, dude, we got it. Well, yeah. We got to get it done, you know? And so, um, and so we, you know, I think we got one fish and when we saw you uh, actually the first day we had our first fish in the boat at like eight yeah. and then at by, I think it was like 1030. We had one fish. And so we were just like Tripping. full panic mode at that point. And then we, uh, and then we kind of just switched to fishing subsurface, uh-huh. um, throwing a crawdad pattern around. I've got a pattern I like a lot that, yeah, yeah, uh, your, yeah they, they eat really well. Um, we threw some clouser patterns. We threw like a big game changer. And then we just kind of, you know, after the topwater thing doesn't seem to be happening, then we just start trying to grind it out what technique that they're eating. And we found that they were eating the crawdad pretty good. So mm-hmm. we were able to string together. We only had four fish on day one. So, I know, we were, but you had a good one on there, right? Yeah, we did. I think we had a, yeah, I think our biggest was four, four yeah, and a yeah. half or something. So we had a, a decent fish. So we had, yeah. we had, uh, just under 10 pounds on the first day. So we were in the hunt. We're in third totally. place. So yeah. the, the key is, is in, in that tournament, it's, it's fun. I mean, I, I'm a competitive guy. I yeah. love, yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love the, I love the, I love the amp that it gives you and totally. the juice. You know, you drive your boat faster, you fish harder, <laughs> you like, all of it's just like, yeah. it's just, you oh just go God. time. It's super fun. So yeah. after, after the first day, we knew we were in the hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I've seen it so many times. Like anybody could have one great day. Like all you, a you, big old bass, big old bass, yeah. or you, you you get on a bite, but to have to come back and do it a second day is yeah. uh, is not easy, you know. Yeah. So I, I we're like, okay, and and I've seen it before through some of the prior years in, in competing. Like if you can, if you can not just bomb on day one and be in the hunt, anything can happen on day two, right? My my goal, like going into it, was like I told Robert, I go, let's just try to make it in the top ten. Yeah, you know, let's just let's just try to do that. If we make yeah. it in the top ten, that's that's great, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and he was like, um, I think we were, I don't know, like we came in at seventh or something in the first day, and then um, 
you know, we had a pretty decent second day too. We got five fish or whatever, but they were, none of them were big, but yep. we ended up getting fifth. So I was, I was pretty stoked, Yeah, you know, just, awesome. just to be in the top five was pretty cool. And then it got, the trip got paid for too. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, we got the top water bite pretty early on and, and we're doing good on that in that like kind of shallow grass, yep. you know, the off, off the main channel and there's grass and they were all in that kind of like grass where it drops off kind of a kind of zone, you know, and then we, that's where we're kind of picking them up in, in that kind of water. Yeah. On day two, we, um, we, we know we got onto a trend. We, we, they were in like heavy cover, like up, up against the toolies and the weeds. And if your fly would kind of come in contact with a, a, a matted down toolie or, you know, some, some sort of overhead cover, like that's when we were getting bit. And so we had some good bites early the second day and we didn't connect on many of them because they're in such heavy cover. I think we got, I think we had two fish. Um, on top water that we were able to bring into the boat away, but we had some big bites. So I was so like, you're throwing okay. in like pretty heavy cover, pretty heavy cover right up against, yeah, little tiny pockets and little windows. And so we, yeah, yeah. and they were just there for snickety, you know, there's times where they're just like, they eat yeah. anything, but that was not the case. Like, and it, uh-huh. it's not uncommon that time of year. Cause they're coming off the spawn. Um, you know, the, the fish are just weird. You know, there weren't, uh, there, I don't think very many fish were spawning at all at that point. So it was all kind of post spawn, but they're, 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 they're weird fish. And then yeah. as, as you get further along, uh, further away from the spawn, then they, you could kind of pattern them better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, now through September, you, you know, you can have really good consistent fishing in low light windows, you know, like go out and just blow up a pile of them. But so fun, man. So much fun. I mean, we, I think we traveled like 38 miles a day or something crazy yep. like that. Yep. It didn't seem like it because we were going so fast. <laughs> totally. <laughs> But the one thing that I like about uh, Robert is he's safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when he's coming around the corners, he's real, real safe. Yep. I, mean, I bet you could get into some people get into accidents uh, probably, all right? All the time. People really? die, die out there all the time. Yeah. I mean, you're going that fast and, and he would slow down and look over the stuff, you know, and yep. then continue. So he, I love that about yep. his, uh, his boating for sure. Let's talk about your photography. All right. How'd you get yep. into that? Um, so I've always, uh, I've always traveled, like all my fishing has been documented with a camera. Even since I was a kid, I just yeah. always had like a, you know, point and shoot camera. And then I got a little waterproof point and shoot camera, all film initially. And then, uh, in the early two thousands, um, Larry Goats wrote an article on the Kings and he needed, needed a couple photos. And I happened to have a really cool brown trout photo from the Kings and, it was to, uh, I guess it was Southwest fly fishing at the time and they, um, new magazine and they, they, they needed a, needed a photo and they bought, they bought one of my photos. And you're all, like, yeah. Dude, it was like a hundred, it was like 150 bucks. Uh, I'm yeah. like, dude, I got 150 bucks for taking a picture. This is freaking <laughs> awesome. So that kind of awesome. led me down the path of like, okay, are you, do you want to just take kind of lame point and shoot photos or do you want to take really cool photos? So I started, started getting way more into it, took some photography classes. Um, and then just, just started doing a lot of it. I mean, I was in really cool places and then it, as I, you know, started, it started to grow. Um, people started reaching out to me for more photos. And over the years, like from the, in the early two thousands, 
Um, you know, I, I would, I'd go to the, because I'm at the shows working for the different brands, I would spend a little extra time and go to the magazine booths and like, you know, show them some of my, my portfolio and just kind of got my name going. And it's like anything else, it starts to become relationship based. And so, you know, you know, the editor, um, you know, Tom by the Drake's really good friend, Ross Purnell at Fly Fisherman, really good friend. So they, you know, they'll just like, Hey man, what's up? And I'll shoot them some photos. They're like, okay, we got a story coming up and just started making a little extra money on the side, selling, selling photos. And the, the, the main thing that that has done is it's be- become the gateway to some of these amazing destinations. Yeah, so I, I get yeah. these calls where it's like, hey, we, you know, the Cuba thing, we're, we're going to be writing an article on fly fishing in Cuba. We need a photographer. Can you go? And basically it becomes a free trip. You just need to get down there airfare wise. And so doing something I would already love and be passionate to do. Mm-hmm. Um and get paid to do it. It's pretty, pretty epic. So it's taken me all over the globe, um, with, with a lot of these photo projects and, um, you know, it's, it's a blast. I love it. I love documenting those experiences and, yeah, you know, it's, it's all changed so much. It was all film based. So you back, back in the early two thousands, you didn't know what you had until, yeah. you know, a week after the trip and right. then you get everything, you know, you get your slide film developed and then you're like, wow, one out of 50 was pretty good, you know? And so it, you, I, I, of course, I've seen your. I mean, how many how many uh, cover shots have you done now? I mean, I, there's got to be a zillion of them, right? Yeah, like, like officially for California Fly Fishing Magazine with is it Richard Anderson? Yep, yeah, Richard Anderson, cool guy. Yep, and uh, I mean, you've you've done a zillion of those, right? Shot a pile, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the number. I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, probably have I don't know fifty cover shots <laughs> yeah, right, out there. Yeah, 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 a few, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a blast. It's not a big money thing you know i don't think you can make a living in fly fishing photography yeah. but it's a little side it's a little side gig it's side hustle. yeah for sure i mean unless you're doing you know contracted shoots with big brands that are paying yeah. you, know, you know like the brian grossenbachers of the world that are like you know that's all they do and they you know i think they make great money doing that and then publishing books and all that but um it's a blast i always um ask people kind of at the end of the podcast um which I can't believe that it's gone by that oh, fast, wow. right? That's crazy. <laughs> but um, a couple of questions. One is um, musically. What are you? Are you listening to anything musically right now that you can think yeah, of? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big Chili Peppers fan. Oh, right so cool. I, the Peppers get, um, uh-huh. you know, they get get, get some love. We get some love all the time. <laughs> I love Rage Against the Machine. Oh, do you? you know, that's right like on. my workout music for sure. <laughs> um, and I would say Jack Johnson gets a ton uh, yeah. of play. Just chill around mm-hmm. the house, you know, like. Uh, um, that's, you know, I'm just at home chilling out cool. a lot of Jack Johnson. In the yeah. If you could go, uh, fishing one last time, who would you go with and where would it be? Wow. That's a deep <laughs> one. <laughs> that's a hard one. Sometimes, uh, huh? man. Yeah. Um, geez, I would say, um, I'd probably go with my wife, you know, I, cool. I, we have a awesome relationship. Um, nice. we, um, we, fished a ton together before kids um she her fishing's taken the back burner mine still continues yeah. so she's um, been in a lot of, of your photos too yeah, yeah for sure for sure but i think we would um yeah you know where we would go we'd go somewhere we haven't gone and we, nice. we love that like um we're really big on you know instead of going back to the same place every time let's go explore something new and there's nothing like that first time to a new place like right. you feel like you the explorations yeah. there i mean yeah. your back rack trip yeah was awesome it was amazing because yeah. it was your first time i yeah. mean that that and i've been down there three times so yeah it's just let's go do something else yeah for sure there's, there's <laughs> other things i want to go check out what about um i wanted to ask you if you'd fished for um have you fished for pike yet i have where where at 
uh, Wollaston Lake in Saskatchewan. Okay. And I've caught a few of them in, um, I caught a couple in Wisconsin and then I've done a little bit in Alaska. How are they? Are they fun? They're super cool. Yeah. Super fun. Like yeah, they, I want to go do that. Yeah. They, they, the blow up, you know, the, like just like a bass, the explosion's amazing. It's a little more like aggro, like it's faster <laughs> and like uh-huh. the explosion's bigger and they, uh-huh. They don't, they don't pull all that great. You know, they're not like mm-hmm. a super strong, they're not like a striper that just keeps bulldogging you, but the, it's, it's a fun game. Got to do it. For oh, sure. for sure. That's, I think that's sure. my next trip is I want to go do that. Nice. You know, some, something, something like that. Well, John, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Awesome guy. Yeah. Stoked to be here with um, you. Thanks for having me. Um, let's do it again. Let's do it for sure. I, um, we'll definitely have you on again and, and talk more, more fishing. <laughs> awesome. All right, bud. Thanks, man. 